Yesterday, I was dispatched to Jim and Pam's house to find Pam's iPod. I searched everywhere, but I didn't find it. What I did find was mold, and lots of it. So, I did what anyone would do. I read a book, had a bath, I got a good night's sleep, and I made plans to eradicate it. Time to get to work. I couldn't find your iPod. Just give me a couple days. Yeah, out of your hair. So Jim and Pam, they asked for assistance from Dwight. They ended up getting some serious help they didn't know they really needed in their kitchen. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames. I also get to be a part of Kairos, and I'm really excited I get to be here tonight because I haven't had the chance to preach at Kairos in a little while. About three and a half weeks ago, I got married uh, to Abby. It was such an awesome experience for the wedding, and then being able to hang out together uh, a lot over the last three and a half weeks has been super cool too. So marriage, highly recommended. It's awesome. We're in the third week of our series called Cliché. We're looking at some sayings and phrases that are oftentimes associated with Christianity. They're said by Christians, and they're really, really well-intended but sometimes they're not actually as true as we think they are, and frankly, they're not necessarily biblical either. So with that in mind, I wanna ask you this. Have you ever heard someone say, God helps those who help themselves? This is like the ultimate Christian uh, Mandela effect. If you don't know what the Mandela effect is, the Mandela effect is basically something that a large group of people perceive to be true, even though it's actually not. So here are a couple that I learned this week um, that blew my mind, that I had no idea um, that these things weren't actually true. So take a look at this picture or the pictures of the Monopoly guy. The one that is there on the left, there's the Monopoly guy with that little eyeglass. Did you know that the Monopoly guy does not actually have an eyeglass? So the one on the right is the actual accurate picture of what the Monopoly guy has. I think that actually might be your left, your right, but either one, the one without the eyeglass, that's what the Monopoly guy really looks like. Here's another one that totally blew my mind. Most people think that it is the Flintstones. Remember that, that cartoon, Yabba Dabba Doo, the Flintstones. Did you know it's actually the Flintstones? completely blew my mind, but most people think that it's the Flintstones. I always thought it was just the Flintstones. Turns out it is the Flintstones. I'm telling you, blew my mind. And then there's also God helps those who help themselves. There's this research group, it's called the Barna Group. They do surveys and studies over all sorts of trends um, in culture, society, and in religion. And they did a study over Christians in America, and they found, after asking thousands of people, that 80% of Christians in the United States believe that God helps those who help themselves is a verse in the Bible. And maybe you're very surprised to hear me say, it's actually not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves is not a verse in the Bible. And I wanna tell you tonight that that's actually a good thing. Now, when people say God helps those who help themselves, maybe you've said that before, maybe you've heard that. It is well-intended because the thought behind it is, well, don't pray for something unless you're willing to work for it. In other, in other words, it's basically like this. Like if you want that job or if you wanna get into that school or if you wanna get into that program, don't just sit and pray about it and then expect for the phone to ring and someone to say, hey, congratulations, you got what you wanted. Instead, pray for it and then let that prayer empower you to move into a position to where like, yeah, you are ready to go. 
prayer moves us into action. Now, a lot of times though, we think, okay, I'm praying just for help. And if I'm praying for help, well, I better get a head start on that help. So maybe I'll start helping myself in the situation first. And, and quite frankly, who else would we want help from other than God? You heard this in the reading night. It's in Psalm chapter 18. And it says this about the Lord. Starting in verse two, it says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me in the place of safety. We hear that and we're like, yeah. That's the kind of help that I want. That's the kind of helper that I want. So how do I get that helper to help me? You know what I mean? I tell you what, God, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, I'll help myself. Then you come in and help me. But the truth is, is that that's not what the Bible says. And I don't believe that's what God intends for our life. Again, it's well intended. We pray for things and that prayer moves us. But we start with prayer. We don't start helping before praying. Now, it's become very popular for people to say, prayer is not enough. You need to move. You need to do something. Okay, you're right. Absolutely. The Bible tells us that when we pray, we respond to that prayer. God calls us. When we see problems in the world, God uses us to be instruments of his grace in the world, to be his hands, to be his feet, to see an issue and to address it. Civil rights movement leaders throughout history and even today, they gather and they pray. And then they move and they knew, especially look at the story of Martin Luther King Jr. He would pray with a group of people and then they'd go out and they would have these marches. They'd have these protests. And they knew that oftentimes they were actually making the situation worse for themselves. They really weren't helping themselves, but they knew that God would somehow in some way see them through it. They started with prayer and they let the prayer, they let the communication with God, they let that intimacy with God, that conversation with God guide where they would help. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't the, hey, let me help and that'll determine where God helps. Sometimes when we try to help too quickly before sitting back, listening and waiting, observing, observing, being patient, well, quite frankly, sometimes our help does not help in the way that we wanted it to. I think about a time back when I was in seminary and I was living in the Twin Cities and I was living in this one neighborhood and in a nearby neighborhood lived one of my professors. Now my professor was fairly old, um, but we enjoyed one another and we got to know each other well enough that he would tell me that, you know, some of his, he wasn't moving quite as well as he used to. And so one summer I thought to myself, well, I know the neighborhood that he lives in and I'm pretty certain that I know which house that he lives in. So I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna be a helper. I'm gonna help. And so I decided I was going to mow his lawn for the summer, but I was gonna be so like genuine about it and so Christian about it that I wasn't gonna tell him. I knew that he went fishing on Saturday mornings and so I had it planned out. I was gonna walk the mower. It was close enough to where I could walk the mower from my house into his neighborhood to go mow his lawn while he's fishing and then I would leave. He'd have no idea. He'd just know, wow, someone's there and he's helping. I could just know. It's me. I'm making a difference. One day I'm leaving uh, this, this lawn that I've just mowed and I actually see my professor driving back through the neighborhood and I've got the lawnmower and I think to myself, busted. <laughs> yep, yep, it was me. It, it was me, I did it. Now, the funny thing is, is later that week, I'm looking in the fridge in the kind of like the student area where uh, students and professors, whatever, would put, would put their uh, food in the fridge at the seminary. And I opened the fridge and on there, 
uh, is this uh, sandwich. And again, I knew this professor so well, it was from his favorite sandwich shop and it said, for DH. Well, my name's Danny Householder. And I thought, I know that's his favorite sandwich shop. We've been to that sandwich shop together before and busted. I helped, I, I helped. And, and so now he's helping me and, and that's good, that's good. So I eat the sandwich. And then I decide I'm going to continue through this summer and I'm going to continue mowing his lawn. It really only lasted either three or four times. But all I know is uh, one time I am uh, I'm mowing the lawn. I get done. I get back to our house. I get in the car. I'm leaving. And as I'm driving by, I again see my professor driving and he pulls into a driveway. But he didn't pull into the driveway with the lawn that I had been mowing for the last few weeks. Instead, the lawn that I had been mowing for the last few weeks, another guy is standing out there just looking at his lawn. I was mowing the wrong lawn. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you, what? How how can I possibly explain the sandwich? Meanwhile, there's this guy who's just every single Saturday like, thank you, Lord, uh, for the blessing. I mean, like a very well-abled, like young uh, father who could have, who could have very much, very easily mowed his lawn. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, I just got to tell my professor what happened. This is too funny. I walk into his office one day and my professor there is eating a sandwich and on the side is a wrapper and on the wrapper it says 4DH because I forgot that he and I have the same initials. I I not only didn't help him, I stole his sandwich. Oh man, my helping really just got in the way. And I had this expectation, well, I've helped, therefore God must help me. We have a word for that. And it's actually found in other religions. It's, it's karma. I mean, seriously, sometimes we think, well, you know, if I do something good, I'll get something back. If I help, therefore God will help me. And I had this idea. I've been helping my professor. He helped me. We just kind of have this system. We don't talk about it. It's just what we do. No, my helping got in the way. Now, let me say this. Does God help those who help themselves? Yes, because God helps everyone. But oftentimes when we're so focused on helping ourselves, we can actually get in the way of receiving God's help. Here's what it says in the Bible. Psalm chapter 18, it continues there. It says this, it says, the ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grace wrapped its, but the grace wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for, for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. And I love this. Later on in the chapter, it says this. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. The words of this author sound like the words of a helpless person. This person is not helping themselves. This person cannot help themselves because the truth is, yes, absolutely. Sometimes in prayer, we are called to move and to help, but then there are times in our lives when we are helpless. We're in a situation that has its grips on us and we cannot get out. There are all sorts of people in the world right now who are stuck in a situation and the world has its grip on them and they can't help themselves. I mean, look, I said it in a funny way with the example of my situation in seminary, but the truth is, is when we get so caught up in this idea that God helps those who help themselves, it can be very dangerous too. Because we really start to believe God will help me if I'm doing the right things. 
And yet scripture does not say that's the case. Instead, scripture has this image of a man. This man is writing, a man or woman, it's the author of this passage. We're not completely sure on that really actually. But nonetheless, it says, I am helpless. And in my helplessness, God helped me. God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps everyone. I love that word there. It says, he reached down from heaven and rescued me. In the original Hebrew there in in the Old Testament, the word, it's delivered, it's reached, it's delivered. They're synonymous. It's the same word for both. And, And I was thinking this week as I was thinking about that verse, I'm like, okay, well, we have a lot of packages delivered here um, to uh, where we have Kairos at Hope Ames. So here's a package that came in once. And I'm thinking about, you know, the UPS driver who delivered this. And I think, was this UPS deliver, delivery person going to deliver this package only if the package helped deliver itself? Of course not. This package couldn't help deliver itself. This package couldn't help rescue itself from wandering off into some random address. No, the the delivery package person delivered the package. When a package gets delivered, the package is very passive. And quite frankly, so it is with us and God. When God rescues us, when God delivers us, that action in and of itself, we're passive. God does not rescue us because we've started to rescue ourselves. God does not deliver us because we've started to address ourselves somewhere. God does not help us because we help ourselves. God helps us because we can't help ourselves. Because as humanity, we do find ourselves in those situations where the world has its grips on us and we just can't do anything about it. Look at how Jesus responds to people who cannot help themselves. This is in Mark chapter five. This is a really kind of wild passage. And sometimes uh, I think it spooks people out because it talks about demon possession and, and different stuff like that. But, but I, I do wanna bring it up here because it actually sheds light on just the tenderness and the kindness and the helpfulness of Christ. Now he is unintimidated by those scary things. It says this, Jesus had been traveling by sea and it said, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained. Day and night he wandered, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. It's a man who cannot help himself. I mean, no person in their right mind would behave like that. He's stuck in the grips of something. The truth is sometimes when we're saying, hey, God helps those who help themselves. Oftentimes what we really mean is, well, you made your bed, now lay in it. Imagine if Jesus approached this man with that same thought. You made your bed, now lay in it. But Jesus doesn't respond like that. Check this out on the next slide. It says, Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. This is the demon speaking now. Then the evil spirits begged him, meaning Jesus, again and again, not to send them to some distant place. The passage continues and it says this, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into the pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2000 pigs plunged down the steep into the hillside, um, into the lake and drowned in the water. 
Jesus did not wait for this man to start helping himself. Jesus did not look at this man and say, well, you may have caused yourself to be in that position. When we say God helps those who help themselves, oftentimes what we're really saying is, well, I didn't put myself in the position that you put yourself in. What we're saying is, if you didn't do bad things, bad things wouldn't happen to you. Jesus doesn't have that approach. I cannot think of a single story in scripture where Jesus pre-screens someone to say, do you really deserve my help? What's the reason for why you're here? I mean, how often do we see people when we think that? How often do we see someone who's struggling on the side of the road and our first thought is, huh, I wonder where they screwed up in life. Jesus doesn't do that. The truth is, is there are so many people in the world who are stuck. They've got grips on them and they are helpless. And the truth is, there's really no rhyme or reason for why they got where they are. I mean, we think about big issues in the world. We think about racism. We think about violence. We think about war. We think about sexism. That has people in places where they simply cannot get out of because society has been very, very powerful in ways of telling them, you can't do anything right now. You won't move. You can't. Let's not be so quick to judge those people. We don't know why people are in the situations where they're in when they need help. But people need help. Jesus does not seem to be concerned with how people got to those places. He just helps them. Maybe you're saying, yeah, but here's the thing. There are, there are people. I mean, I hear you. Maybe there's some people who didn't do anything to get into that spot. But there are people. There are people. Of course there are people who did something to deserve to get where they are. Okay, fine. How does Jesus respond to those people? Let's take a look at John chapter 8. There's this woman, she's committed adultery. And in that day, that was, uh, that was basically a free, pra- free pass and is saying, you all can kill me. Because if you were caught having adultery back then, you could be put to death for it. There's this woman, she's been caught in adultery. She's brought before Jesus and she is subject to the law now. She's defenseless before the law. She's helpless. She's the reason for why she's in her place. She made her bed. Is Jesus gonna say, now lay in it? No. Jesus instead starts talking to the accusers. Jesus says to the accusers, all right, fine. Those of you who have never sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. And all these men, their stones drop to the ground. And here's this woman and Jesus now alone together. And Jesus says to her, he asks, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She says, no, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I. So go and sin no more. Jesus does not pre-screen people to find out if they've started to make the right steps, if they've started to help themselves. He doesn't even check to see if their heart's in the right place. I don't think I'd be so bold in saying Jesus creates opportunities to help people. I don't think I'd be so bold to say that maybe when we're completely helpless, we're finally in the position of realizing, I don't just desire God's help to make my life better. I need God's help to live, period. And God is so gracious to do that. And I just, I hope that us as Christians, we don't read stories like this or even hear about testimonies today. And I hope, I hope that we're not gonna be the kind of people that say, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. We should rejoice. We should be so glad about this. We should celebrate 
When God reaches into somebody's life and he says, hey, you are in a helpless situation, but I love you and I care for you. So I will reach down. I will gather you. I will deliver you. I will save you. And I will help you regardless of whether you've helped yourself or not. Because the truth is oftentimes when we help ourselves, we get in the way of that. Because if I believe that God's help in my life only comes after I've helped myself, then I've got this idea in my head that says, I know what's best for me. And so I'm going to get a head start. And then I'm going to call God and I'll just say, God, now I just want your assistance. I know where I'm trying to go, but God, now I just want your assistance. So see, God, I started to put together the right things in my college walk so that someday the right employer is going to like me. So God, I'm doing this. So come on, get over here and bless it now. Don't you see, God, I'm helping myself. Get over here now. We start to like lecture God like that, don't we? It's like the prayers become angry. Why aren't you doing this? But God says, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with you helping yourself that I help you. I help you because I love you. I mean, maybe the truth is when we say, you know, God helps those who help themselves, what we're really saying is, I know what's best for my life. So God, come in, be my assistant. Get me to where I want to go. But that's not how God works. This is the question I want to ask you tonight. Is God your assistant or is God your God? I want God to be my God. I don't want God to be my assistant. I've seen what happens when I'm my own God. I've seen what happens when I am my own boss. I make lots of mistakes. I mow the wrong lawn and I eat somebody else's sandwich. Oh, but if God is my God and I'm responding to God's movement, if I'm letting God empower me instead of me trying to empower God, look at the difference we can make in the world. I'm so excited for you all to come back to campus and I hope it's soon. I really do. I hope, I hope that uh, COVID, that all the COVID cases and the positive um, test results start to go down. I hope that you're able to come back to campus soon. I hope. And when you do come back, I do believe that God is going to move through you in incredible ways. I believe that God is already through Kairos changing Iowa State's campus. I believe that. We see people come into this room where I'm standing right now and preaching from, we see people come in and they tell me and they tell Haley and they tell our team here, they say, I never would have come to this place, but somebody just like invited me. I never would have come to this place. I wasn't doing anything, anything that would make me the kind of person that somebody else would invite, but somebody just reached out. Oh, that is grace. That's grace because that's someone hearing God's voice and saying, huh, I like going to Kairos. I see that person. They might like Kairos too. I love Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. That person might need Jesus too. That person does need Jesus. And so whether that person's helping themselves or not, they're reaching out. Because the truth is, honestly, usually we're not even helping ourselves in the right way, right? There are so many people that we could just reach out to, invite, bring into our circles and say, God loves you. God cares for you. He wants to reach down into your life and rescue you. And you don't even have to start helping yourself. He's just going to create the opportunity, but you can receive it. You can receive it. So instead of helping yourself, instead ask God, God, you've helped me so much. So instead, God, now I just want to go out and go where you want me to help. That's what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not when we start to get right. It's not when we start to take those steps. Instead, in the book of Romans, it tells us this. It says, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners before we made the right move. When we were helpless, 
God showed up and he helped. He didn't pre-screen us. He just did it. Isn't that awesome? Look, if, uh, if what it is that we really want God to be is we're like, hey, God, I, I just want you to be fair. So if I'm helping myself, just help me. God, I just, I just want you to be fair. Come on, just be fair. Well, if being fair means being unmerciful, then God's not fair. Because God's a judge, but he's a merciful judge. And he is the God of hopelessness. He's the God of hopeless situations. He's the God of helpless people. He's the God who looks at us in our despair and he says, you haven't earned this, you haven't deserved this, but I grant you my favor anyway. We have a word for that in Christianity. It's called grace. It's something we don't earn, it's something we don't deserve, but God gives it to us freely anyway. I love you. I just want to do this. I won't abandon you. I care for you. I just want to help you. No, 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 no. You, you don't have to take the first steps. Let, let me show you your first steps. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners before we made the right move. The truth is, if we want God to be fair, we might get what we deserve, but we may not get the blessings that God is want, that God has for us. I'm cool with God being merciful. I'm cool with God being graceful. Because then I start to realize that even in my weakness, God's still going to do what God's going to do. God's still going to move through me. God's still going to make movement. God's still going to change the world through you. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's a guy named Paul. And I love what he writes. He says that God said to him, Jesus says to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. When I'm helpless, I am helped. When I'm broken, I am loved. When I, am, when I feel like I'm completely irredeemable, God comes in and he says, I've redeemed you. I've reconciled you back to me and I've given Giving you life. This is our God, God of help. I want God to be my God. I don't want God to be my assistant. I don't want God to come in and just clean my countertops. I want God to come in and gut the walls. I want him to rip out the floors and I want him to make a new home in me that he plans to live in. God is not my assistant. God is my God because he helps me, because he loves me and he would never abandon me even in my helplessness. The same is true for you. So here's my invitation to you this week. Let's pray and let's ask God, God, where do you want me to help based off of what you want for the world? God, I'm done saying God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible anyway. Instead, God, I know you've helped me. So where are you sending me to help others? Will you pray with me right now? Let's go ahead and let, let, wherever you are, let's pray. And let's know that the, that the same God who's in this room is the same God who's in the room with you. He brings us together. God unites us. And we are praying to this God. We are in communion with this God. We get to speak with this God and this God speaks back. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, you love us. You care for us. You reach out to us. You deliver us and you help us. You do not pre-screen us. You do not check to see if we've made the right steps in the right direction before you come in to do your work. 
Lord, you don't seem to care much about where we are when you find us. Instead, you just love us and you promise to bring us to new, beautiful, and wonderful places. So Lord, let us follow you into those places. Let us listen to you now. And so I'm gonna take a break in this prayer and we're just gonna be quiet for a second and we're just gonna listen. We're gonna ask God, God, where do you want me to help? You've helped me, God. Now, where do you want me to help? Fill us with your spirit, God. Fill us with your encouragement. Empower us to go out and do these things that you've called us to. You've invited us to be a part of the help. Thank you, Lord.